You are listening to the Art of Automation podcast with your host, Jerry Cuomo. Thank you, DJ, and welcome everyone to the Art of Automation, a podcast that explores the application of automation in the enterprise. Folks, today's episode is about innovation. Innovation can take many forms, from incremental improvements to radical breakthroughs. Often requires creativity, curiosity, and a willingness to take risks. Successful innovators are not afraid to fail and are willing to experiment and iterate until they find a solution that works. And today we are fortunate to have our guest, who is the head of innovation from Raymond James, Kamal Kvafich, who in this host's opinion is the perfect personification of innovation and in particular, how you innovate in a modern enterprise, of course, with generous amounts of AI and automation. And with that, I'd like to welcome Kamal to the Art of Automation. Welcome, Kamal. Oh, thank you. Thank you for having me, Jerry. Oh, it is our pleasure. So let's jump right in. Kamal, tell us why you love doing what you do. Uh, to me, it's all about making a difference. And no matter what I do, it's all about moving forward, learning, making a change. And at the end, it's those results of, of whatever I just said right now is are the things that really get me out of the bed every morning. Now, let's face it. I mean, I do have a dream job. I mean, I get fairly unique opportunity to play with the latest technology, explore that technology, assess it, look at the maturity. And at the mm -hmm. end, kind of look at to see if we should be investing in that. Then... I also get this opportunity to give rest of my IT associates opportunity to do the same, get them to play with it some more and then maybe implement it and see how this technology could potentially be used to help a business grow. Tell us a little bit more about your job, your role, your title, your company. Just give us a quick overview. Yeah, yeah. So, so I'm the IT head of innovation for Raymond James Financial. Mm -hmm. I've been with the company for over five years now and, and my responsibility is innovation. I mean, I was brought in here <laughs> five years ago to stand up their robotic process automation, which we've been having for over five years now. As of about a year and a half ago, I was named uh, IT head of innovation to, to do what I just said earlier, is to look ahead, to look at emerging technologies and trends. I mean, I officially say that I'm responsible in building and implementing innovation strategy for the firm and for the IT specifically. But with that, it's a reflection of a helping a business partners be more, uh, to grow and be more competitive. And so I'm in heart a nerd. I always say that uh, I've been in technology for over 20 years. I'm the USF alum, so which is University of South Florida, and I have computer science and computer engineering degree. So I love uh, development. I love technology. So this is a yeah. dream job for me. What a time to be a chief innovation officer and a nerd in a great company <laughs> like Raymond James. In yes. a time where automation and AI are just running rampant across our industry in a good way. It, it is. So can you tell us a little bit more, like, what are the things that have caught your attention of late? I, I, I think it's this fast-paced technology that just keeps happening. Uh, and we see a lot of emerging tech. And it excites me to kind of see where this technology can be used uh, across our firm, across the IT and see you know, where we can leverage it, how we can use it, how we can implement it in existing processes, product, services, 
there's a lot that's happening. I mean, it's honestly a good time to be in technology sector, for sure. So tell us a little bit more. So you are a innovator's innovator, and you happen to be doing that in a financial services company. Can you just share with our audience a little bit about how you affect change? And specifically, are there any nuances in affecting technology and innovation change in a financial services company like Raymond James? So to me, changes tends to be sometimes hard, and especially you know in a company that has been around for a while. To me, change means changing the minds and mindset of people that have done certain things certain way for a very long time. And now we are coming here and asking them to think or do things differently. In my current role, uh, I do get a privilege to work with both business and IT to build relationships, right, and to better understand both business needs and to see how we can help our business partners also help them understand our technologies and trends and what's available today, right? Right. Because they're not technical, right? I mean, they know that they need something, but we need to be able to articulate this in terms that they can understand. We also, you know, they're they're very anxious to figure out if, if they hear something on a horizon They really know what's our stance. What are we doing? Are we even looking at this? And if we are looking at it, why are we not moving faster? Or why are we not implementing this? So that's really kind of one side of it. And then from the IT side of it, it's enablement and encouragement of an IT associate to to be more creative, to to think outside the box, right? And of course, to be innovative. It's one thing I always say, it's one thing to have a technology and it's great. It's great technology. But how can we not use that technology mm. to be used and to help our business partners? And so it's these use cases. So working with business partners to say, here's this technology. What do you think where I could apply this technology? And then at the end of the day, we then leverage our IT associates. Innovation culture mm-hmm. is a big pillar of this program. And so we leverage our IT associates to make them, to feel them included in, in the program. So that was an early on decision on our side was when we were setting up this program, do we hire a research and development team or do we utilize our existing resources, our mm-hmm. IT, to, to be part of the innovation? And we went with the latter because we've early on identified that we really, Raymond James has been innovative for a very long time and, and he just needed a little tweaking to make that even better. Wow. So head of innovation involves being a technology nerd. Understanding the technology, but being the Rosetta Stone to translate it into all languages, it sounds <laughs> yeah. like. Business languages, IT languages. But also, it sounds like there was a tone of being head of innovation involves being a cheerleader, too, to inspire, to <laughs> to kind of root people on, get them excited. And then you use the term, the culture of innovation, as a way to hang it all together. Yeah, it's interesting you say cheerleader. I always, I, I use the word exactly verbatim. I said, I'm a cheerleader of innovation. And, and my team said, not really. You're like a facilitator of innovation. So yes, it really takes that, right? I mean, okay. as I said, innovation culture has been a big part of what we do. There's a lot of things that, that we've done in year year or so. One of the big things is what we call innovation insights, right? Where mm-hmm. we bring non-RJ experts to Raymond James to educate both business and IT on emerging technology, be it quantum computing, Web3, AI, natural language processing, NLP, NLQ. And then we also look at to see if it's a technology that we already onboarded, let's say it's AI, then we bring IT associates that are responsible for that technology to co-host those webinars and those sessions that we have. 
very positive feedback, but it's all in the realm of education, continued education. So the rest of the associates being feel included in innovation program. Perfect. And I want to stay on that technology trend point. And this is the art of automation. So can you talk a little bit about the role of automation and where do you see it making the most impact in your company? Yeah. So, you know, it's interesting. When we started our automation, I mentioned earlier, about five years ago, and we've automated about 40 large processes. But then when I go on these webinars and, and when I kind of listen to others, there's a lot of companies that haven't even started in this space, but yet there's so much interest. And, and even now, they see a lot of value in implementing this technology. That's right. So to us, I mean, as I said, we started about five years ago, and we've automated across different business verticals, including the IT. Of course, IT uses um, automation as a tool. So I'll give you kind of a generic answer to, to your question when it comes to what is it that I see that it's most impactful. Sure. I would say picking the right process to automate, if you pick that right process to automate, it will be impactful and it's going to create benefits for your firm. Some, of course, will yield more ROI and some will yield less, right? I mean, if you automate a process that has more people doing it or it's a larger process or it takes a little longer, you have to run it multiple times it will have more impact. But that really doesn't mean that the smaller automations are not as impactful. Out of the 40 that I said, we did pick fairly large, but some are larger than others. And then some of our, let's say it's a medium process, but yields larger ROI because mm -hmm. there's other values. For example, looking at SLAs, that's an important factor in automation. Looking at data quality, look at that efficiency. I mean, if you have a process that with, let's say five people, you run it once a day, with a robot, you can run that five times a day. Mm -hmm. So, of course, you include that efficiency part of it. And with efficiency, it's customer satisfaction as well. Because, right. you know, if somebody's looking at a process, say, they do it once a day, but now we process that right. five times a day, of course, customers are going to be happy because they get results quicker. They don't have to wait for a day to get to the right. answer. Especially if the results are less error prone. And that's really where frustration could build in the customers. Getting yes. that repetitive work done through a robot seems like multiple sides of yes. uh, benefits. Yes, absolutely. And, and, and to us, as I mentioned earlier, I mean, we, we have processes where to us, it's more hiring avoidance because I know that's a big deal. And I know your listener will probably want to hear about this as well. But to us in, in, in five years, we haven't had where jobs are lost because of automation. Mm. I think it was more a value add, you know, when we pick up good process to automate, to us, it was the, the automation that people were doing now, they're doing more thought-provoking work, while in the meantime, the automation does this mundane, old, boring work that they were doing in past. Yeah, to me, I would say in this realm of what makes it most impactful, I would say if one advice that I can have for your listeners is this. What's really important is to make automation very successful. Of course, it's one to pick a right automation. Right? Not everything should be automated just because I want to automate. But it's also to ensure that you have proper governance in place, right? To figure out who all can automate, should automate, and against which applications you should be automating. Because to me, and if you don't know how to do that, I would say partner with companies like IBM or mm -hmm. you know, whatever those companies are. If you don't know how to do it because mm -hmm. they have expertise, 
to me, here's what I'm going to say. Automation creates dependencies. Yeah. I know we've learned this over time, but we tried, we have this analogy called crawl, walk, run. Yes. We didn't want to get ourselves in, in a situation where we have ton and ton of these automations that are running against our, what we call level one or level two applications. And then let's say that application changes out of nowhere. Guess what? You then have these dependencies. That's why I said automation creates these dependencies. Then you have this dependency where you're like, well, wait, that change, that selector that you added, it's no longer username, it's user underscore name. Ooh, wow, now I have to update 50 different robots that, that the team has built. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah, so yeah. you get, you get at point. that point, your maintenance becomes the biggest challenge when it comes to automation. But that shouldn't be a hurdle as well, right? I mean, with proper governance, you can control that. You know, there's a lot of tools that you could potentially use. At Raymond James, we use ServiceNow. Uh, ServiceNow has dependencies built behind the scenes. So when a product A makes a change, there's a change request that gets created. That change request alerts all of the automation owners that says, hey, in about three months from now, I'll be making this change and be ready for you to make that change in that time period and test it out and go along with me in that journey yeah. going yeah, to production. Yeah. So do pick the right process. But here's another, just a quick thought on this. If you don't pick it, that's, that's fine. Good point. I mean, we've been here as well in our journey. If you didn't pick the right process, guess what? Retire it. It's yeah. okay. Yeah, yeah. But as long as you learn from it and you say, okay, now over time, as you mature your program, you're going to mature your knowledge about what it constitutes to be a good automation candidates and to end, it'll be a good story. So, and we all have experienced that here at Rima James as well. Good. And I think that's some great advice. So th the first time we met, it was only minutes before we both had our crystal balls out <laughs> and we were thinking about how... Certain emerging technologies were going to impact the future of our businesses. <laughs> Can you share with the audience your views on perhaps what are the top two technology trends that have captured your interest of late? The, the timing is perfect that, you know, we're talking about emerging technologies and trends. And I joke around every time somebody asks me to say, hey, what's your, what's your prediction here? And I said, just today, we actually had a really good discussion around not that long ago, we thought Metaverse was it. Right. It was buzzing. Everybody was talking about these use cases. We had vendors knocking on a door with, we can partner with you, we can do these things. And about four months ago, something big happened, which is this, this thing called ChatGPT, right? It turned our world upside down. It looked at the generative AI in a different lens. It became a mainstream. A lot of people started getting familiar. And at least at that stage, it was more like aha moment for many to say there's a lot more that this technology can offer. Mm. So to me, I would say first one is generative AI. A chat GPT, it's on its own little space, but I wouldn't just say chat GPT. I would call, for example, GitHub Copilot, right? Or the right. Microsoft 365 Copilot that they just recently announced. To me, technology, generative AI technology provides the efficiency. And I do foresee in the very near future that we're going to have tools available to us that utilizes some form of chat GPT or generative AI that will be almost like a personal assistant to us. I feel quality of our output will be on point. I mean, code commenting via uh, GitHub Copilot. Does it have to be perfect? Technology itself? No. I mean, actually, as a matter of fact, I was... To get value. Yeah, I, I really don't. I mean, it really depends on, again, is... What mindset do you have when you use it? I think for Raymond James, at least, we, we still have ChatGPT as an available tool for us. 
And we made it very clear to say, just be smart when you use it, follow mm -hmm. our guidelines. Yeah, yeah. But also, don't trust it. It's not end-to-end -end source yet for the truth, right? I call it a writer's block. I mean, if I want to write an email and I'm kind of stuck a little bit on how to write an email, guess what? I can get a little bit of help from ChatGPT. Exactly. Get the foundation on what I really try to say and then tweak that around and, and make it my own. The reality here is just that the trust is going to be a big factor. Bias point of it will be a big factor. And, mm -hmm. and we'll see what the future is going to do with this. So where do you think it can be applied in financial services and what sorts of returns? Is it faster delivery, less errors, more innovation? Yeah. Where do you see this landing in the near future? Yeah, I think, I mean, there really is, as, and that's one of the reasons we haven't yet fully made a decision to say, and we are, by the way, monitoring these decisions on regular frequency to say, is there at any point in the near future where we're going to say, it's too risky. So yeah, that assessment yeah. is being done and, and we are not there yet. But the value that we see out of it is that, as I mentioned earlier, innovation, innovation culture is a big part of it. Partnership with a business is extremely important to me and to, to IT in general. And so well, as we meet with them, we ask them, do you use ChatGPT and what are some of the use cases you use it? Uh, there's a lot of news. You probably heard news uh, in my sector where some big companies are using ChatGPT. I would say, you know, feedback, at least we've gotten and our innovation champions here at Raymond James, which are, you know, set of IT associates, 12 or so that we meet on a regular basis and talk about innovation. One of the big things is knowledge summation. Because yeah, you know yeah. that ChatGPT takes 10 different documents and understands those documents and provides you a human-like response. So we do have a lot of content on our internal knowledge systems. We have a lot of procedures that are written on PDF formats and PDF documents. I think one of the good use cases that we, we want to explore further is to say, how can we read all of that content and make it in such a way that somebody can search on our website and get a human-like response instead of right now the way it is is you search for a keyword you get this 50-page document then you got to read that document itself to find the answer inside the document right so right. it becomes time consuming so i think to your to your answer specifically it's more about time and if time efficiency because again i think generative ai is all about efficiency so less time i need to spend to find an answer in a document more time I have to spend with my clients, right? Because that's right. the ultimate goal is spend less time on technology, more time with your clients. That's our direction and that's our goal. And having ChatGPT or generative AI and create that efficiency where we can get answers quicker, that's something we are striving for and, and definitely looking in this technology to see if we can explore it further. Well, this is perfect. Yeah, this is perfect. Thank you so much for joining us on The Art of Automation. Guys, Heads of innovation go, I can't imagine another one out there with your energy, with your ability to inspire folks. So thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Jerry. Okay, folks, that's it for today. And if you enjoy this podcast, it's also likely that you'll enjoy the Art of Automation book, which is now available. A link to the book is available in the description section of this podcast. And royalties for the Art of Automation book are being donated to help support cancer research. Okay, once again, I'd like to thank Kamal. And of course, I'd also like to thank you all for listening in. This is Jerry Cuomo, IBM Fellow and VP for Technology at IBM. See you again on an upcoming episode.